Hi, and welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach, Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you get unstuck, be more confident, and feel better about turning 30. And today's guest episode is an episode that I have been waiting to record for the longest of times, and I've been searching high and low because this episode, I am finally, finally interviewing somebody from the opposite sex all about the topic of dating and romantic relationships. And it has been exactly one year to the week since I invited my last male guest, the fear guy, Ben Harris, who is a life coach, who talked all about facing fears and we did speak a little bit about what it's like for guys turning 30 and one year later exactly I have another male guest interview and this is something that I really need to do more of. I am aware that I am very one-sided with the genders that I invite on the podcast and it's something that I'm really working on but when I saw and listened to today's guest on another podcast, I knew I had to invite him on and ask him some burning questions, not only questions that you have sent me and questions that I know my clients and I talk about in our sessions, but questions that are personal to me that I've really been excited to ask somebody who not only has their own point of view, but also works with male clients specifically about the topic of falling in love, dating, relationships, and all of these interesting things that we're going to be talking about today. So I am excited to welcome David Chambers, the authentic man, onto the podcast. Let me introduce David. David empowers men to create the exciting and deeply connected dating lives, sex lives, and relationships that they long for by developing their true, authentic selves. As a dating and intimacy coach, David has been coaching men for over a decade to create authentic attraction, build deep emotional connections, embody healthy masculinity, and experience connected sexual intimacy. And I honestly can't think of a better first episode for 2022 than this one. Hi, David, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm super excited that you're here and there's no pressure whatsoever, but I've waited quite a few episodes to have a man on the podcast. So you're here today representing to the Turning 30 audience, all males in the universe. How do you feel about that? (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. Um, No, no, not at all. It's, it wouldn't be the first time I was on a podcast representing all men that are out there. And obviously I can't represent all men because, you know, we know how it is. You know, everyone is unique in their own way. I could just represent the men that I have had the pleasure of spending time with and coaching and speaking to. Yeah, of course, of course. But I'm really excited you're here because in a serious way, my audience are really curious to Mm. hear what men really want and what men are really thinking and to really hear from somebody who I would say is a conscious man who's obviously done the work and doing the work and sharing that with the with the world so I actually put on my Instagram story that I was having a conversation with a male guest and I asked if anybody had any questions and those questions were all about I'm actually going to read some so the questions were basically why do men not want to commit? That was the general thing. It was asked seven times. 
Is commitment and loving connection to one person a thing single men are seeking? How to know you're with the right person? Why are men into it one minute and then blow cold the next? At what point do men start thinking about commitment? What makes a man want to commit to a woman for the long term? <laughs> Why are men so afraid of commitment? So we get the point, okay? So that this is yeah. kind of the question that, one of the questions that my audience are very interested in. And we're going to really dive into that today. But before we do, I would love to just get to know you a little and understand your journey into becoming a coach for men. And you brand yourself as the authentic man on your, on your Instagram and in your business. So I would love to hear a little bit about you and what led you to that work. I guess to even talk about that question, it really was my experience for so long. I refused, I didn't like commitment and so forth, but I'll, I'll tell a bit of my story and probably about, I always think of what the time, what, what year are you in? 2000 and whatever it is. Um, Almost probably about, yeah, well, about maybe 13 years ago, I found myself just a bit frustrated with my dating life, really frustrated. So like many men at that time, I did some Googling <laughs> and looking around like, you know, dating, how to be better at dating and stuff like that. And I came across the book called The Game, which, you know, we, we look back at it now and we, it has, there's a lot of terrible things about it. But what it did was catapult me into a world of first attending a boot camp and then coaching men in dating. But it catapulted me into a world the first time and I've experienced where men were trying to better themselves. They were trying to be better men. And I'd say about 99% of the men I met in that time when I was coaching were amazing men who were very shy, very painfully shy most of the time, or didn't really know how to talk to women. And upon giving them some tips would literally be like, you can go over and speak to her there. You can just go say hi, <laughs> try that. I didn't really prescribe to the the kind of pickup lines and all the magic tricks and all that kind of stuff. I, it wasn't my bag because I couldn't remember it all. I could just be me. And then I, I kind of left that world, you know, I started dating someone quite seriously and felt like it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I went back to my IT career and continued doing that, but I didn't stop learning. I kept growing. I kept going to workshops about everything from, I remember once going to one about the energetics of water up to stuff around, you know, my relationship to my parents, my, my dad, my mum, how that was affecting my life and so forth and kept working, kept on working, kept doing anything that I thought could, I could, if I could go to something and learn one thing that would help me in my life, it was worth me going to. That was my philosophy for a lot of years, which meant I went to a lot of workshops, so many that I can't really remember anymore. And um, I went traveling for a couple of years with one of my ex-girlfriends and we broke up in the middle of Bolivia. And um, it was all really down to the fact that I couldn't express what I wanted because I was so afraid of upsetting her that I didn't say what I wanted and what I needed because I'd had a story that if I said, say what I wanted, she'd get upset and she'd cry and I couldn't handle that. You know, there's a lot of emotional stuff there. And I've just said to myself, I'm not doing that again. I don't want to do this anymore. I want, I want something different. Um, I went and did some plant medicine in Peru since I was just over the border and just really put my energy into connecting with everybody that I met. Like as deeply as I could, even if it was for five minutes, it's really just being open, showing who I am and being curious about them. And what I started to see was this rapid connection that could be created with someone. If you were willing to be open and honest and really vulnerable with who you were, authentic with who you were, people would reflect that back to you and you would really connect to people. So I came back from the travels, you know, come back to London, worked again. And a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, AJ, he came to me and said, just do, a, just, you know, do something with this dating knowledge because all the dating advice of men is very much about do this, say this, don't say this and do this. But we know that that doesn't really work in the long term. It doesn't get to the deeper rooted problem of, you know, our limiting beliefs and stuff like that. So we started the podcast, which started off as the Authentic Dating Series. And about a year ago, I rebranded it to My Own Pain, and so it really meant that I felt the pain 
struggled with relationships, struggled with commitment, did a lot of serial dating, a lot of casual dating, lots of friends with benefits and all that kind of stuff. And I transitioned out of that into realizing how to connect deeply and the, the, the deepest benefits of doing so. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I love that. Obviously, you went through your own journey from, you. I think you mentioned not wanting to commit or, like you said, also not necessarily being able to be vulnerable and therefore authentic. And then obviously now you're in the place that you are and helping others. It's amazing. The one question that comes up for me is, are men open to this learning? Do you find it easy to find men who are open to learning about these things? You know, it's, it's interesting because my, my partner, she's also a coach who works with women. And over the last like six to eight months, men, they, they find their way into my inbox on, on Instagram. They send me DMs, you know, asking for help in various ways. And I meet men who are like, oh, I want more. I know that this doesn't work or I've had bad relationships and I can see that it's my fault and I want something different. So I meet enough men. I meet enough men to keep me busy and to keep me in work. Could I meet more men? Yeah. And would I love to work with more men? Of course. I think there is, you know, there's a lot of stigma for men around getting help, getting support. You know, we can, we can get into this. It's like, there's a lot of the way the media portrays a man that needs help. You know, there's a, there's a weakness that's often said, I always think of Piers Morgan, for instance, as a really prime example of someone who bashes men quite quite badly for showing any sort of mental health issue or any sort of weakness. But even the, the media at large, you know, we don't always look at someone and go, oh, look, someone is struggling. Oh, let's help them. If someone is struggling, what's wrong with them? Let's beat them a bit with more of a stick. So I think that is a lot harder for men to go, I need help, I need support. And it's also, do we even tell men that this is important to them? Do we even show them that relating and relating deeply is important to them? Or we, when I say we, I say as a wider we, are we just continually telling men that what they should want is more money, bigger cars, nicer houses, a kind of trophy wife, and, and all that kind of jazz. And we don't actually school them in the art of connection and the, and the nourishing goodness in connection. So I don't think these men don't want it. Well, some men don't want it. But most men, they're just ignorant to the benefits, but they're very well-versed and knowing of the pain it causes them. So you think that a lot of it is that men want this help, but it's the shame around actually reaching out and maybe even admitting to themselves that they they want it. Obviously, like you said, based on this social conditioning, that kind of men don't cry or they're not allowed to cry or you know they've got to be the strong alpha male. So I think mm. that's really interesting to think that you know, a lot of men probably are sitting in these emotions and not actually feeling able to share. Yeah, definitely. Like if you look at the statistics around therapy, like isn't it like up to, I think it's something ridiculous, like 80% of, of people that see therapy are, are women. So that means that, you know, there's mental health issues affect men disproportionately, you know, men suffer probably more. And is some of that down to the fact they don't speak? Is it someone down to the, the societal pressures of providing and things like that? Mm. So it means that it's like, if I'm not, able to make my girlfriend wife happy what does that mean about me as a man you know there's a lot of that tied up in there and then you've also got to add into the fact that like men just struggle with emotions in general they struggle to communicate you know and relationships they're all about communication and i know this from my own experience it's like when i couldn't communicate very well and i didn't feel safe to communicate you know what i was feeling relationships were really hard now i'm in a relationship where i've designed my relationship where communication is the center of it like it's it's a lot easier but I also have a partner who is really open to hearing me as well all of me you know even the bits she doesn't like to hear even the bits that upset her she is still open to hearing those parts of me and, and you know I feel really blessed in that 
Yeah, that sounds amazing. But I think the reason I was even asking the question is because of this stigma that like the questions before, like men don't want to commit. And again, what you said is the a man not being ready to you know, share and open up and all of those things. And I think that's what I hear a lot with my clients. You know, I mm. work with a lot of women who are in their 30s, sometimes in their, in their mid 30s, who really want a relationship and they're out there in the dating world. And they, they have a lot of limiting beliefs about mm. men. And it's like, mm. are these beliefs true? I'm doing mm. air quotes. And I think I wrote to you when we were speaking before some of the stigmas, some of the beliefs that I hear. And I won't lie, some of them also are beliefs that I also hold as a single woman mm. in my 30s. And it's things like all the good men are taken. Men don't want commitment. Men in their 30s aren't looking to settle down. Men aren't as willing to do the work as women are. All men are looking for is sex. It's impossible that this is true for all men, mm. obviously. And as a coach, I'm sure you do the same thing. You know, it's our responsibility to look at those limiting beliefs and help our clients find evidence of the contrary to make everyone realize that the whole world isn't all the same. But it's interesting to sit and speak with you and hear that there are men out there who do want to commit. And there are men out there who aren't just looking for sex. So I feel like I actually even need to say you to tell me in a sentence that prove to my audience, tell us that there are men out there (laughs) who want to commit and they aren't just looking for sex and they want something deeper. Is that truth? Can you provide us with evidence? Yeah, I can. I can go to my diary and I could talk about some of my coaching clients. You know, I'll talk about one of the the guys I I spoke to last night. He's a little bit older. He's like in his early 40s. And we did a bit of a review and, you know, it came up for him that what he wants to create next is a really beautiful, fun, playful and connected relationship. You know, we were both like, wow, you know, we did some kind of intuitive practices to get there. But it's like, oh, wow. And then we often with my clients is that's what they want. But like I said, you're a coach, you see this is like, there's what we want. And then there's all our fears and our stories about that thing and our capability of getting there. And what happens often in our dating lives, and I can say this for myself as well, is that we don't have so much focus on what we want, but we have a lot of focus on our lack, our limiting beliefs, our our fears. We have so much focus on that and we, we act out of our fears. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you meet men and they don't want to commit, you have to ask yourself, what are they afraid of? Why are they fr- They're not, they don't, they don't want to commit. They would like to commit. They would probably, there's some part of them that really deeply desires to do so. But that part of them is really layered with fear and worry, anxiety, maybe even shame. And this is where, you know, for me, it's been so valuable is to kind of do the work and go, okay, what is there for me? Like a lot of men, I can go through the reasons, you know, if I can look at my different coaching clients, like, you know, I've got one guy who is mid twenties and he has had multiple women lie to him, tell them that they're single and they're not, who have told him how amazing he is and then break up with him and, you know, or disappear on him and all these sorts of things, all the sorts of things that women talk about a lot. These things happen to men too. And I really see it because I speak to them. And would this guy want to commit? Yeah. But he feels so hurt now that he's like, well, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to focus on me. You know, I have another client who you know, he struggles with being open and vulnerable. That's the work that we're doing together. You know, but he wants to, he's willing to do so. He wants to meet somebody and he wants to go out and he, you know, but there is a fear around being vulnerable because in his past relationships, that's been used against him. He's been, you know, when arguments come, the spiteful words fly out about when he's been vulnerable and then that caused him to close up. You know, a lot of men have been really hurt in the past, as women have. We've all been hurt, you know, we've all been hurt. And that's the, the nature of things. And then what we do is with that hurt is we go, well, I don't want to experience that again. So what do I need to do to not have that, ex- that experience? So a lot of men just go, okay, I'm not going to commit. 
you know, why do I, why would I? I think there's an interesting dynamic that occurs as I speak to, again, as me and my partner talk a lot about dating, right? It's our, it's our business. <laughs> I think in our early 20s, there is definitely this, this feeling, and I, get, I can talk from my own experience of what I see, is that men are seeking women and women hold the power in dating. Women hold the power in dating. Men want women, maybe just for sex, but they want to connect with women and women hold the power. And a lot of men experience that really negatively of like, women don't want me, women have the power, I can't be bothered. And I think what happens when we reach our 30s, and I feel like it happens around anything from 28 to about 32, there is a switch of power that occurs, right? Where women often get to stay of like, oh, I'm getting in my 30s, they become aware of their biological clock. And they think, okay, now I'm looking for a not quote unquote good man, you know, because maybe they've dated some men who were fun and exciting because it's not that women want bad men. They just want to feel something. They want to feel emotion. They want to feel good emotion or not necessarily good emotion, any emotion, depending on their past experiences, childhood and so forth. They want to feel emotion. And then they get into their thirties and then they're like, I want a man who I want to settle down with. Now, men at that age, and this is a big generalization, have suddenly been like, well, actually, I don't know if I want to settle down. I don't know if I want to just be with one woman now. And then there's a switch in power where men are like, okay, I've got time on my hands. Ah, oh, you know, I can wait until I'm 45. You know, I hear this from a lot of older clients I work with. They're like, oh, you know, I'm 40 years old. I'll just look for a woman who's in the like 28 or something like that. Right. There becomes a switch of power. And I think, unfortunately, you know, there's this, the biological clock that women have really kind of helps this, not saying this in the right phase, but causes this inverse in power. And a lot of men at 30, they're then being indoctrinated because they've met friends who have maybe got divorced and they've come out of divorces badly, whether that's financially badly hurt and so forth. So men start getting afraid of commitment because they're looking at what they're going to lose. What could I lose by committing to someone? I can lose freedom. I could lose financially, even though I feel that's a bit of a, that's a big myth that's kind of played through the media, newspapers and so forth. When we talk about like stars and, and so forth, celebrities and stars. But there's this real like loss of freedom, loss of excitement that, that occurs to men. They focus on the loss. And a lot of what I try and do is get them to look at the loss and go, is that really what I'm going to lose? And go, what could I gain? What could I really gain? I think that's something that doesn't always happen. There's not enough focus on what one could really gain because the loss is really, that's around fear and, and, and so forth. I'm so happy, David, that you've just shared this theory because it reminds me you know, I know we're generalizing here and we're speaking in general terms, but it reminds me of something that I used to always say about men. And I think it's really, it's exactly what you're saying that I have this theory that men, even from their teenage years, from kind of high school, first loves, when men first fall in love, they fall in love really hard. Like they fall Mm -hmm. in love very, like the first love for a man is like, especially at that age, kind of 17, 18, 19, even into early twenties. And it's the first time you've experienced and been given permission to be loved and to love and to feel vulnerable. And, you know, I think many people listening will have also had this experience of, of first love and know that a man can fall very passionately in love at first. And quite often, like you said, the women have the power in the early 20s or in the teenage years. It's exactly this. And it happens a lot that women break men's heart from a, like the first love often ends up with a heartbreak on, from the man's side. And then that then causes this 20s, which often is just going out and having fun. Obviously mm. it's different for every single person, but then you're so right in the 30s. This is what I see as well. And I see it with friends. I'm not, you know, I work mainly with women, not with men. And they just don't feel that urge to settle down. It's just, it, it's, it's not that. It's not that same pressure as women, like you said, 
with their biological clock. And it's so true. What you're saying is I'm sure there are people who are varied and, you know, don't all have the same thing. But I think that feeling of initial heartbreak that happens at a really impressionable age can be really damaging and cause a lot of limiting beliefs about women with men. And I think that it's all about for women, for me anyway, this is what I teach is that Yes, we all have biological clocks. And yes, if you want children, it is something to consider. When you're in your early 30s, 31, 32, and this power shift starts to take place, I think it's about not succumbing to that and not saying, well, that's it. All these stigmas that I was talking about before, all these limiting beliefs, no men are available for love. No men are, you know, they're in control. And something that I actually was thinking when you were speaking is a belief of, a lot of my clients believe that men in their 30s only want younger women because of, you know, you mentioned before how a 40-something-year-old man can obviously go and find a relationship with someone who's in their 20s still. I actually used to think this, and I went out on a search to find evidence to see if it was true. And I actually ended up speaking to a lot of male friends and some colleagues and understood that it's actually not true. Most men in their 30s who I speak to, who date different ages of women, said that they connect more on an emotional level with a woman who is a similar age. Obviously, a few years give and, give and take, but I have a specific person in mind who was um, a male in their like, early 30s, 33, and was dating a woman who was in her, her early 20s, and it just wasn't a match. And I said, isn't that interesting? Because a lot of women really think that that's it. Once a man gets into their 30s, they just want to date a 25-year-old. And it's not true. And I think that because of the story that we're telling, it can feel like it's true. And it's important to break that. Do you find that? There are a lot of men who emotionally prefer to date somebody who's on a, an emotional level with them, which is linked to age. I think all my clients I'm working with now, I'm trying to think maybe two or three, are in their 30s. I've got a couple younger, maybe a couple older. And all of them, all the ones in their 30s want to date women their age. Because emotionally, and in terms of a life stage, we're in the same place. You know, They want the same things. That is this, this myth around men this idea that men want to date women who are a lot younger, I find this to be true for men who are quite emotionally immature, right? And that's not to say that emotional immaturity is bad. I'm just saying that that is what I see. I look at the men and I'm like, they will, some of them would even say, I'm a bit emotionally immature. And you know, that's, that's fine. They're the ones that are more likely to, to want to date women who are younger. Men who I, I, I work with, again, generally very mature, actually, for emotionally, right? Because they, they want to show up. So the women they want to date are their age. And this is the thing. It's like they, they want to date women their own age. They want to date women who are on the same level, that are doing the work, that want to create something in their relationship. So this idea that all men want to date younger women is untrue. And I'm going to throw another one in the things that I think a lot of women think is like, all men want a woman who is incredibly beautiful, supermodel, celebrity looking. They don't. Men don't want that. Like really, most men do not want that because some men who even even acknowledge themselves that they couldn't be with a woman that, that's like that. A lot of men have this idea. And I, I speak to them sometimes. I'm like, oh, okay, so what sort of woman you want? They start telling me all about looks. And I said, have you ever dated a model? They're like, no. I was like, do you ever know any models? No. Have you spent time with any? I say, no. And I said, I have. You know, I've dated dancers, ex-models. And I was like, you know, you get a lot of attention when you're with them. A lot of people look at them, blah, blah, blah. How would you feel about that? And then suddenly you start seeing this insecurity and jealousy start coming up. And they're like, oh, well, actually, I don't think I'd want to deal with that. I couldn't deal with that. It'd be too much for me. Other men looking and stuff like that. And you start to see. But what I find with most men I meet is they just want a woman who is pretty, I don't want to say the word regular, but I want to say 
a woman who is wanting to join them in a union, who is aware of some of their issues and problems, but also is realistic, open and honest. This idea that all men want really beautiful women or women that are really young isn't true. They might want to look at that when it comes to photos in the media and stuff like that. But we have to sometimes separate separate what we like to look at on TV and in movies to what we actually want to connect with deeply in our lives. Right. Thank you really for sharing that because this is exactly what I want this podcast episode to do is to help my listeners to hear that that's not exactly what uh, men are looking for because what happens is when you believe that, especially the age thing, you go out and you're going out into the dating world on the back foot. You go out with a belief that, oh, well, I'm this age. And I even see it with people on apps that don't want to give their real age on an app. Oh, that's embarrassing. You know, a a man won't want to date me. If you think, if I'm 35, then a man will presume that I just want babies and kids and he'll just swipe left. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that whilst obviously there are some men who would rather date someone younger, that a lot of men don't. So that's a really important message. So we've already talked a little bit. You've alluded to what men want. Connection, like you said, someone who's in the similar stage of life. What else do men want when it comes to relationships? Men want a level of openness, you know, to them and who they are. Because all men have experienced, and I think this is something that happens in in our 20s, and this scars men, right, is... And I think maybe I've seen it more than the average person because I used to go into bars and clubs with men and help them talk to women. And I used to do this four nights a week on average. And I was probably in my 25 and I'll do this, you know, so I probably had hundreds of students, talked to thousands of women and probably talked to, you know, thousands myself. And you know how rude and obnoxious most women are to a man who comes, comes over and says, hello. And I understand that there's a whole story that's gone on in the evening or whatever, But the number of times I've seen a really nice man who's a bit shy, maybe go, hey, how are you? And a group of women look at that man with almost disgust, maybe have a little word or two of him and then turn around and ignore him completely. And this creates, this creates a a narrative for a lot of men, which they often carry through into, into later years that, you know, women aren't open. So really what men want in relationship is a woman who is open with her energy, you know, is open to him and to his imperfections and is willing to be open with who she is as well, you know, and not trying to pretend to be somebody else. They're not. That's a big, big thing that a lot of men want or to be in alignment with their words and with their deeds. Mm. Really what I see this a lot is men and women want the same thing from each other, but we don't not straight about it. We don't just do it. We don't do the things we want to see. We are waiting for the other person to do the things so that we know we can now do the things like, and I, I, I talk a lot with men and I'm going on a bit of a segue, but it's really come to me. Like I talk a lot of men to men about leadership. It's been something that's coming up a lot in my coaching. It's come up a lot in my, just in life in general. So I feel really called to talk about leadership as like a masculine in, uh, energy, energetic is leadership, but not just in terms of outward stuff. I want a man to lead emotionally. I want him to lead physically. I want him to lead intimately, you know, all those things. And Though that I think that's important, there must also be from, from women is a level of surrender to allow leadership, right? You need to allow the leadership to occur. You need to be willing to be led. And we live in a world where most women, especially if you've gone into the corporate world, we live in a very hyper-masculine world, right? And to succeed in that world, you have to become hyper-masculine, right? And what happens a lot is that we go to work all day and then we go on a date after work. 
and we take that same energy from work into the day. And if the man tries to do anything that seems like leadership, well, we don't like that because, well, women don't like that. Maybe in that in that moment because they're so used to leading. It's like, why am I going to let this person lead? I'm not willing to be in a vulnerable place of allowing to be led. So I'm going to butt up against this person and try and lead too. And this causes a lot of friction in dating as well. But equally, on that same footing, there a lot of men are quite scared to lead because they've had bad experiences where they've tried to lead and they've been criticised. They've been and so forth. So to come back into what men want in a relationship is, you know, it's that openness to leadership, openness to them. This like criticism. Is one of the things that chips away at a man really badly in relationship. Men want a flow of of sexual energy from their partners. I, I do a lot of work with men around kind of tantric practices and their own sexual energy. Is like sexual openness and a flow of sexual energy in relationship. Men often want a level of exploration, you know, sexual exploration, and that doesn't have to be with different people. You know, we when I talk about sexual freedom, I don't even necessarily mean it as in sleeping with lots of people. We want sexual freedom within our relationship with our partner, so that we can experience different sexual energies with the same person. Like that is the ultimate thing that a lot of men want. They don't even realize they want it. That's why they want to sleep with lots of women because that's how they get that different sexual energy. So you know, having an open partner, someone who will you know support. Support is something that comes up a lot when I talk to guys in relationships. Like I want someone who was willing to support me because, and then they tell me a story about their ex-girlfriend who, when they were you know. Working hard or going for their side business or what it is, their their girlfriend started to make it be the girlfriend versus a side business. And you know, to your listeners, if you've ever placed yourself in that position where you said, "Oh, we're going to work today," you know, I want to spend some time together. You instantly put it the side business versus you. And you know, for a man who is starting to really step into his masculinity, into his healthy masculinity, his purpose is really important to him. You don't want to put yourself. It's not healthy to put yourself versus his purpose or the, what he's trying to create in the world. So it's like having support in that. You know, that support is something that I've seen in my own relationship. It's like I've never been supported like I have in my relationship now. And I'm like, this is the thing that I didn't realize that I really wanted and needed. So yeah, I could probably keep going on if things wow. kind of pop into my head. <laughs> so many pearls of wisdom there. I really want to pick up on what you were talking about and go back to the bit about the leadership. I think that's really interesting. I had a really interesting interview with the dating coach, Sammy Wonder. She's a female dating coach and she talks a lot about the feminine and masculine energy in dating. And I think this is what you were talking about before when you gave the example of women who are in the corporate world, who are very successful, who are really in their masculine energy. So they're rocking it at work, they're super badass, and then they go out onto a date and they carry that over onto the date so i.e they are in their masculine energy and then it doesn't match you know like you said that it kind of bumps heads with a male who's on a date who's also in his masculine energy and i don't know if i have a problem with it because i agree and i think it's actually quite biological that men like chasing right men like you said when they are in the healthy masculine they do like a woman who is feminine and i think the feminine the healthy feminine that you're describing that is the openness, the sexual openness as well. It's like the fluidity, it's the being able to support, like all of those things. Very, that's a woman, what you're describing, a woman in, in her feminine. But what do you think that a woman should do if she is that badass in work and she does go on a date and she does feel that she's in her masculine? Should she change that? Should she like dim it down? Like if it does affect a male being in his masculine energy, then how can that dynamic work without the woman putting on a performance? I don't know if this is something you've ever touched on before or maybe even spoken about with your with your partner. I know that you do 
courses together about conscious relationships. So maybe it is something you've spoken about, but it's really interesting to me because when I interviewed Sammy, I, I was so on board with it. I can see it, the theory of it, but in practice, it sometimes feels a bit like, well, then what do you do? You know, how, how do you act? Is it okay for a woman to play up to her feminine in order to attract the male? So it's not as black and white as all men are masculine and all women are feminine. You know, we live in a world that is a bit more nuanced than that. And, you know, I, I was speaking to a friend of mine a few months ago, and he was saying how he knows a couple and the woman is very much in her masculine. The man is very much in his feminine. So much so that he really, I think he's like a, he's a stay-at-home dad. And I'm not saying that makes him feminine because he's a stay-at-home dad, but a lot of the things she was like, you know, she was a breadwinner. She was like pushing a relationship forward, blah, blah, blah. And that worked absolutely perfectly for them, right? Now, if that's the dynamic and the dynamic you want, not necessarily with the man being a stay-at-home dad, but you want to feel like you are the, the, the leading masculine role in your relationship, go for it. Go do that. The thing is, is that I think for a lot of women is that because of the world, not just the working world, the world in general, there is this leaning toward being in their masculine all the time, because that is what gets you forward. But also because there's this idea that we also have in the world that the feminine isn't safe. It's not safe to be feminine. To be a feminine woman to means that bad things will happen to you. And if you've had that occur for you in, in your life as you've grown up, you will also believe this. So if you believe the feminine isn't safe, where are you going to go to? You're going to go to the masculine because the masculine has control. You're going to go, ah, oh, I'm going to go there and be there. So if you're going on dates and you would like to be a more feminine woman, if that is what you feel is there for you, but there is, you know, maybe there is an apprehension and so forth. You know, little things you can do is just like evoke. There's a, there's a wonderful woman on Instagram called Madeline Moon, and she talks a lot about evoking. Well, there's a guy called John Wyland as well. And it's like, how can you evoke leadership from the man that you're with? And when you're in relationship, the way you can do that is with praise. Like, I love it when, I love it when you choose a movie. So please, I'd really like you to choose a movie. You're evoking leadership. That's evoking leadership. Criticizing is like, oh God, you chose the last movie. Oh, you want to choose it again. Oh, I bet you're going to choose something rubbish. That will not evoke leadership in the man you're with. It will not evoke him to be a decision-making man because you're waiting for it to criticize and he doesn't want to experience criticism because that feels like he's with his mother again. So if you want to evoke this in a man you're dating, it's little things like, okay, let him choose the place. You know, be actively say, oh, look, look, I trust you. You know, we've been talking a while. I think, you know, I trust your judgment. You've got to know me well, you know. And that just for a man, he, he receives that. It's like, ah, oh, you feel trust. I feel like you, you believe I can make good decisions, blah, blah, blah. And boom, a man will step into that far more likely because it's like he's here. It's almost like you've, you've gone, I, I believe in you, you know, because a lot of men, our fear is, is that we're not good enough. You know, and I know this is a very universal thing, but I see it in men a lot. It's like, I'm not good enough. So we worry about making decisions and choices. So on a very small level, when you're, when you're dating, if you want to kind of step into that more feminine energy is be willing to receive, be willing to be led, right? Obviously within the, the bounds of safety and so forth. And if you want to take it to another level and have your feminine practices, because if you're spending all your day in your masculine making decisions, organizing, you know, driving forward and stuff like that, some of these real practices sound, you know, these are the practices I do like dance, just dancing. Dancing is a spontaneous thing. You can be in the moment of now. Start not having to plan everything all the time or know where everything's going to go. Spontaneity, you know, things like this will bring you more into your own innate feminine energy. Like even little things, like I always talk about beautifying space. I do this with the men I work with. It's like, if you've got a journal or something, yes, make it beautiful. Make it beautiful. Like be creative in life because we 
live in a world that is so task goal results orientated and that takes us into structure it takes us into planning and it takes us out of the moment the playfulness of this the very moment what i taken from what you've said about the feminine and masculine energy is that women are nervous to be in their feminine energy on a date because of what you said because they think that they're thinking of toxic feminine or they're thinking of being in feminine energy as something weak and i think that the what the issue is here is to understand that you can be in your feminine and actually be very powerful and be very strong mm. and mm. let a man like you said lead and step into his masculine if that mm. is what he wants to do so i think that's a really really important message so thank you so much for sharing that while i've got you here i really want to ask you some questions it's very much my personal you know my personal dating at the moment i just want to know a few things okay so let's go back to the the men chasing thing the men you know, I don't know if you believe that from what I understand, and I've done a lot of research on this and a lot of reading and interviewed a lot of people about it. But men in general like to be the ones in the lead, i.e. the ones chasing. They like a challenge. Do you see this with your clients, with your work? Is that the truth? It's not always the truth. I think there is a socialization in chasing partly we are socialized to the chase of dating do i think there's a biological innateness to it to a degree but i also we also always layer on as much as human beings are animals we are very conscious animals we're able to make very conscious decisions you know an animal will eat all the food in its vicinity in a day right if it's easy to catch human beings we have the choice of going Ah, I need to live for 10 years. I need to grow some food. I need to blah, blah, blah. We have consciousness. So as much as I do see that there's this innate want to chase, some of it is socialized, but there's also this level of consciousness which makes us go, we can start to move on an equal footing. I do see for most men, they there is a, a want to chase. But inside of that want that sometimes gets in the way of that want is a fear of rejection. So a man may want to do the chasing, but he's the fear he has around rejection could be a barrier to him enacting his desire to chase. Right. So I'm leading you to this question. So I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about dating and about texting after a first date. Mm. And we were speaking about this. So this is why I'm asking about the chase because we were, both of us were after first dates and waiting for the next day message. And we were having a, not a disagreement, but we're having a discussion about how soon the first text should come and who it should be from. And I was saying, I use that as an indicator of how interested a guy is after a date. If they text straight away after the date, or if they text the next morning, or if they don't text for a few days, that to me can seem like an indication of interest. She challenged me and said, she doesn't think that it's an indication and that we should, as women, just be able to message first straight away, even after the first date. And it's, it's all bullshit, basically. And funnily enough, she, a few days later, went on a first date with someone that she really liked. And then voice noted me the next morning and said, I'm absolutely not messaging him first because you're right. This is going to show me if he's interested in me. So I was like, aha, look, (laughs) this is an indication. So I'm interested to hear from you and from your experience, maybe personal experience dating, but also from working with, with other men. Do you believe that men want to be the ones to send the first message? And if it is, is it an indication how soon they will be in contact for how interested they are in the person? This is a complex answer because fear of putting oneself forward, which is vulnerability, 
in fact, sending that that message afterwards, there's a level of vulnerability in that because there could be a rejection. There could be being ignored. If a man's had certain experiences where he's been ignored or rejected, or maybe he really, really likes you and he doesn't want to seem too keen because he's been told being too keen is bad. Women don't like it when you're too keen. So you need to wait three days. There's, you know, men have these rules as told to them as well. And this is the problem. We're all living in this very inauthentic way of being of like, ah, oh, let me follow these rules to get to where I want to get to. We're treating dating often like the way we do with our careers. Like, let me manipulate my way into a, a relationship. If we were both just super authentic after a date, you wouldn't even need to wait after a date. You say at the end of the day, I really enjoyed tonight without fear of the meaning, what that makes it mean if I don't hear that back. Do I think it means anything about how much the man likes you? Yes and no. Because... It's so depending on the man, so depending on his internal beliefs about himself, his confidence in how the date went, whether he really, really likes you or he doesn't really like you at all. And it will differ for each man. So I guess what I would always say is go with what you would really want. If you want to see this person again, tell them you want to see them again. Say, hey, I really enjoyed tonight, right? Because over time, consistently doing that, yeah, sometimes people won't reply. Some men will think you're really eager and you're really keen. But over time, my belief is that it would be in your benefit because would you rather text first 50 times and get a reply 10 times or would you rather never text first and always be waiting? You also hand over all the power in that instance as well, right? You know, you could argue what I was saying about evoking as, as a feminine. You could evoke a man like him and be like, I really enjoyed last night. I'm not asking you another date. You just say, I really enjoyed spending time with you yesterday. He might come back and go, yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Do you want to go out again? Boom. He's, he's led. You've been free with your energy, with your emotion. He's come back. He's evoked and gone, yes, I was feeling that too. Let me organize something else. You know, there's, there's so much nuances to this, but when we stick to rules, we are not being in the moment of the human being that we just met. We are in our mind. We are in our limiting. Any rules is based on limiting beliefs about ourselves, the world and dating. Any rules we adhere to, we're always going, okay, what do I need to, how do I need to strategize and make this into the, what I want? When we drop in and be like, what am I feeling? I'm feeling like I really enjoyed that day. Yeah. Hey. Next morning, you know, I really enjoyed last night. Really enjoyed the food or God, I saw this thing and it reminded me of this thing that we talked about. You know, look at the last few years just before I met my partner also. I stopped adhering to all the rules I used to. I used to have all these rules, you know, don't message within 24 hours of the day, wait for her to get back in contact with you. You know, and a lot of it was based around this idea of, ah, I want her to be more keen than I am because this is what works. And that plays into this whole like anxious avoidant trap and I just started to learn as I matured, as I started to be more confident in just being rejected and being okay with that, that actually going, hey, I really enjoyed last night. I thought some of the conversation was really beautiful. Like, let's do it again. But equally, I got the same back from women. When I was more open to doing these things, I met more women that were just open to doing this and just willing to take the lead or share the lead or evoke or share their emotions. Mm -hmm. That was my experience. The more I strategized, the more strategy I experienced, I think. But when I was open, that's what I got. So I, with my clients, I implore them to be open. Yeah. And I think what's coming up for me is these rules and games. It's almost, it's not people's fault. It's, it's the dating world. It's, it's what's wrong with the dating world right now is, is that it's become a game and it has. And I think that a lot of people are getting mixed messages from everywhere. 
know, I even see it with myself, you know, I'm interviewing one person and they're saying this, and then I'm listening to another podcast and they're saying this, and I'm currently reading another book and it's saying this. And if you're somebody who is single, male or female, and you're going out into the dating world and you are wanting to learn about how to be, you literally have given 27 different messages from everyone to say, you know, what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And I think those messages all become very mixed and then people just feel frazzled. They literally feel like they don't know what to do. So they just don't do anything. And I think that uh, it's really important for a voice like yours to be spread. I'm so happy that you came onto the podcast to talk about it because it really is being authentic. And obviously that's, that's what you stand for. That is the basis of a meaningful connection at the end of the day. And going back to the texting first thing, if you text someone first, if I, if I say you, if I text someone first after a, after a date and they don't reply or they are put off by that, then is that somebody you want to date anyway? Maybe not. Mm. And I think there's also, you know, if we get into the layers of this, it's like, what kind of energy do we bring to that we're bringing? It's like, okay, when I text first, is it because I'm like, oh my God, I'm really anxious and worried. Did he like me? Did he like me? I'm really nervous. Oh my God, I'm feeling really needy. You know, we you know, going to the, the the beliefs, the the even the trauma that's sitting underneath. Where is it coming from? You know, because if we don't start to look at that stuff, we don't start to treat that and start going, okay, why do I feel like I really need a man? Why do I need this man to like me? Why do I, after every date, feel really anxious that someone doesn't like me? What does it mean about me if they don't like me? Like, really, what does it really mean? Does it mean anything? I say this to clients so often. What does that thing really mean? If you go on a date and someone doesn't like you, what does that mean about you and who you are? Versus what do you make it mean in your head? What kind of very permanent thing do you tell yourself about your value and worth based on this person who you spent maybe a couple of hours with, their affection for you or their perceived affection for you? What do you make it mean? Because ultimately that is often the thing that is driving our action, not our actual want to connection. Because I've got a little nephew and he's two years old and he wants to connect with people. He just walks over in the street. He's like, hey, you know, he starts making noise. But when we get to adults who have these layers and layers that get in the way, fears, worries, concerns, assumptions, all these things. And then they make us do very strange things because of the, the amount of meaning we place on these little interactions and what it means about who we are. Yeah, and I think something that we've come back to quite a few times in this episode is really just talking about socialization and, and social conditioning and how people are just so affected by what society says is right or wrong and how we should act and all of those things so I think that that's a really important message here and I'm sure that's what you know you stand for and you work with with, with your clients is to just peel back those layers and those social conditioning and to really ask ourselves and understand you know what we really want and how we want to act in the dating world in a relationship just in the world in general you know what I think, David, I think that we should speak offline after the interview and you should get some of your single clients and I'll get some of my single clients and we should start a, uh, a dating service. <laughs> I tell yeah. you, it would probably be very good. <laughs> Love it. Anyway, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. It's really, on a personal level, it's been really, really interesting. And I know how many of my audience will appreciate you coming and sharing your version of all what all males in the world think. If you could just let everyone know where they can find out more about you. I know you also have a podcast and you are posting all the time on your Instagram. So if you could just uh, share that with the audience, it would be great. Yeah, you can find my podcast pretty much everywhere where podcasts are. The Authentic Man podcast with David Chambers. Instagram, where I do a lot of posting and, and talk to people and messaging and all that kind of stuff. At The Authentic Man underscore 
And if you really want, you can, you know, email me. If you have a question, you want to talk to me about something, you can find me at hello at theauthenticman.net. I'd love to hear from anybody, you know, male, female, you know, what you learned from this episode. You know, I'm always, I always love to hear from, from people what, what they're learning, how they're able to implement the, the things we've talked about and, and make a change in their lives. Yeah, thank you so much. And I think that it really has been such a juicy episode with loads of good topics to get into. And I know it's going to cause a lot of people to think and question how they look at the dating world and how they view men and and what men really want. So thank you so much, David, and I'll see everyone on the podcast next week.